Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sana Marie, each week I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. We all around Memphis, Tennessee right here. We in the mix as well with DJ B.A., a.k.a. No Genre, a.k.a. Brandon Adams. And we on Verbally Effective Podcast with Miss Ina Esco. Let's go. Hello, it's the Verbally Effective Podcast um, with Ina Esco, double A. Um, thank you. This is Kel Dwight. Tune in. Welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. You know, this is the pod that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Of course, I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco. I want to thank you guys for joining me today. And, you know, I need you to go to the website right now and get their merch, ivymultimediashop.com, ivymultimediashop.com. We got the hoodies, the tees, the masks. I'm adding some more apparel as well. So check out the website and get your outfits together for the fall, ivymultimediashop.com. Also, check out the website, verballyeffective.com. You can see previous episodes. We have about 182 of them, maybe a little more, but check it out right now. Subscribe on YouTube, Ina Esco channel, E-N-A-E-S-C-O. Follow me as well on all social media platforms. And I also want to send a huge shout-out to the Consortium MMT Talent Development Center for allowing me to podcast in this space. Uh, I'm really excited today because I have a cool ass creative with me. Oh, I can't say ass because he's holy holy. I, I mean, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he is the special projects assistant to the senior pastor over there at Hope Church Memphis. I know you guys have heard of Hope Church Memphis, right? And he is also an emerging star with the Consortium MMT. I'm talking about Jeff Trotter. Hello, Jeff. What's going How on? What's are going you? On? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing, pastor? Oh, man. I'm not a pastor. Man. I'm not a pastor. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jeff. It is indeed a pleasure. I want to start at the beginning because I know you're not from Memphis, Jeff. No, no, no. Where are you originally from? Uh, I am an at Elian. at Elian. So I'm from Atlanta uh, by way of College Park to be exact. Like the one College Park T.I. be talking about. Southside South side with an elf. You know what I mean? Shout out to the whole hood. They know what I mean when I say Southside with an elf. Yes. Tell me about growing up out there. Man, yeah. You know, the the standard for me was set so high. Uh, my brother actually went to high school with Andre and Big Boy at Tri-Cities wow. High School. So those were my beginnings. Uh, you know, as my brother was 10 years older than me, I'm, I'm younger looking at him in singing groups and uh 
talent shows with Outkast, Escape. Shout out to Candy Burris, man. I love Candy. She's like I a do sister. too. That's big sis. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I see so much of my sister, you know, in Candy and vice versa, man. That around the way girl, just cool, homegirl vibe. You know, just kick it. You know what I mean? I mean, but she is a business woman from yeah, the yeah, to, yeah. Oh, she is a tycoon, did you know that back man. then? Well, Candy was always about her business, man. Mm-hmm. Even at 15, 16 years old, she writing songs, she shaking and moving. They, I remember doing the Black Expo, going to see them at the Black Expo, her and Tiny and Tamika mm-hmm. and uh, Latasha. You know, so those were my early beginnings, watching them. Jagged Edge, Richard Ringo, shout out oh. to Richard, man. You know what I mean? Uh, Richard, love you, dog. I know uh, my condolences from the Trotter family. You know what I mean? Tell you, I know you just lost your father, man. Shout out to Richard Wingo, Wingo Dollar, Jagged Edge. But these are people that I grew up watching as a kid. So mm-hmm. as far as getting out there and, and running and putting your best foot forward, I ain't had no choice. Yes. I ain't had no choice. Wow. And tell me about your family dynamic growing up. Are you an only child? You have siblings? Oh, no. Tell no, me about no, 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 it. No. Yeah, man, my parents actually got married as teenagers. My mom and wow. dad. My dad was 17 years old when he got married Seriously? to my mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he knew and, she was the one, didn't he? Well, they were having babies real quick. It was six of us. Mm. So I'm one of six. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm one of six. I'm next to the youngest, but uh, I just lost my sister last August. Mm, I'm uh, so sorry. But, you know, I, I feel like it's not the end. It's more like to be continued. But, yeah, it's, it was six of us. Um, I'm not going to go through all the names, but, you know, I, I learned a lot. I, I was blessed to get to learn from all of their mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know? That's what I was going to say. Like, usually when you're one of the younger ones, mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, you really kind of have like a big gumbo of all of your older siblings as well, right? For sure, for sure. <laughs> Especially like, with the music influence, the arts. Tri-Cities High School was the number one performing arts high school in Atlanta. Uh, Keenan, I know Keenan Thompson from from them being in uh, in YEA, uh, doing uh, youth entertainment and, and arts. Uh, mm-hmm. They used to put on plays and skits and things like that. Um, like I said, Jagged Edge. You go to a talent show and see 112. You turn around and see Chris Tucker actually hosting the event. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You see all this stuff. You don't know what's going on in front of you. This is black excellence. All mm-hmm. this stuff coming together in front of you. But I, I didn't know at the time what was being built. Now, were you into music back then as a young Jeff Trotter? Um, I always had a love for music, but my first love was basketball. Really? Oh, you hoping? Yeah, man. I played a little ball. <laughs> Uh, I played in college. I uh, played at Robert Morris University up in Pittsburgh, okay. Pennsylvania. Yeah, low mid major Division One school. But I gotta be honest and say, basketball didn't really uh, grow for me from a dream into a reality until I got to Memphis. Really? Memphis, yes, Memphis is one of the few basketball cities in the South uh, at the time when I was growing up. Georgia, Florida, Alabama was more football mm-hmm. territory. But when I got to Memphis, man, these dudes hoop on a whole nother level. <laughs> that they, they, you know, you might you might get in the fight or, or get killed mm-hmm. over the hoop. You know what I mean? Like they are serious about their basketball. And uh, I, I bumped into Penny Hardaway here, and he started training me. And and uh, Scotty Mason uh, used to be a trainer for the Grizzlies. Uh, Jeremy Hunt used to play for University of Memphis. Was mm-hmm. my best man in my wedding. He's working with the University of Memphis Tigers right now. When those guys took me I in, know Jeremy, yeah, 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 that's my guy. That's my brother. You know what I mean? Um, when those guys took me in and started training me, like that's when I started getting calls from NBA general managers and getting tryouts and things like that. I was mm. practicing with the Grizzlies. Oh, you hooping for real? 
not now. You know, that was past tense. That was past tense. Okay. So did you did you segue into an NBA career? I did not make it to the NBA. So uh, after practicing with the Grizzlies, uh, I signed a contract to go to the NBA Developmental League, mm-hmm. and I fractured my ankle while I was no. there. No. Yeah. And that See. was... That was tough. I know it was. How did it happen? I know you can remember it like it was yesterday. What happened to that ankle? Well, I had uh, ankle problems stemming from high school uh, where I was Mm. playing around one of my friends, and I I jumped up for the ball. A guy kind of bridged my legs, and I I Mm. fell, and and I broke it. I fractured it then. Mm -hmm. took a lot of rehab to get back right for me to make it through college, but always having a little ache and pain in it but you'll go get treatment before practice, treatment after practice. Mm. And a lot of people don't understand when when you're a kid playing basketball, a lot of these kids are starting off in elementary school. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time you get to the NBA, you've put in well over 10,000 hours in your craft. Look, <laughs> let's talk about AAU. Yeah. It's such a big business now. My yeah. son, my 16-year-old, we've been ripping yeah. and running with this AAU. What mm. do you think about that element of it, the AAU? piece of it do you think that's good or bad for the kids i think that or what do you think in in my opinion they need to scale back Mm -hmm. i understand the aau circuit um and a lot of the aau circuits are controlled by bigger businesses like under Mm -hmm. armor nike and adidas they have their own uh tournaments and things that you have to be a part of they have their own sponsorships because they're trying to build their brand so the earlier i find you as a talent and I have you wearing my brand. The 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 more chance I have of landing you as a as a uh, endorsement, as a client uh, later on. So that's why you can see pictures of Trey Young, you know, at, at ten years old at a camp somewhere, you know, with mm-hmm. with Blake Griffin or whatever. And then you turn around and see him later on in in middle school or high school. He's got pictures with Kevin Durant. And then mm-hmm. you turn around and he's actually playing side by side with LeBron James. You're like, man, it's almost <laughs> like they knew, man. They are farming these guys. And they are watching you. If your team is winning, you could get a sponsorship and they will put your team in the jerseys because the likelihood of the next LeBron James or the next Kyrie Irving or whatever is high mm-hmm. if you're winning. But if you lose, they will take that scholarship, they will take that sponsorship away from that coach and that team. That's sad. You know? So they're they, they milking these kids, you know what I mean? But, you yeah. know, that, that's, the, that's the game. But, see, they milking the kids. However, now NBA, they can – they can get money for endorsements now in the, uh, I'm sorry, NCAA, mm-hmm. correct? Uh, I don't know. And mm-hmm. that's that, and that's that uh, rules just passed. I haven't been abreast to it. It I've been, just changed. Man, well, that's great because I actually wrote an article when I was at Robert Morris University uh, to my professors and to the NCAA Clearinghouse uh, fighting for compensation for athletes because as a student athlete, you're not much of a student as much <laughs> as you are athlete mm-hmm. that is working that should be on payroll for the school. Man, if you what? think about it, what happens to the city of Memphis right now if the University of Memphis has a successful basketball season and we win a championship? You winning mm-hmm. games, small businesses are gaining more money and revenue because mm-hmm. everybody's coming to their businesses to watch the game. You might even name a sandwich after one of the players on the team. Oh, you know it's going you know down. I mean? It changes. And you don't get the a athletes whole don't get any of that. They do now. You know, we got radio contracts. You got uh, shoe endorsements. You have uh, sports beverages and drinks associated. You get all type of contracts around the sport Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. for these young black guys that are playing, but they don't get anything. You don't even have enough money to go wash your clothes, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. or take your girl out on a date to the movies, yeah. But look, your article, their paper that you wrote must have worked because things have changed man, in the yeah. NCAA. Shout out to big guy. Hey, thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know shout out I mean? to Jeff Trotter. Yeah, shout out to the homies, man. Hey, wow. go get it. Okay, let me ask you this. What made you move to Memphis, Jeff? Oh, well, after uh, finishing college at Robert Morris, I was looking for what was next. What's that next season of life? Uh, I had an older brother that was here, and I was on the phone with him late one night. I had been in the gym playing basketball, and I was just frustrated. Uh, you know, I, I hit rock bottom, and I lashed out, and I was talking to my brother on the phone, just venting, just, just venting my frustrations with him. And he told me about the Memphis Athletic Ministries. Uh, he knew that I love ball, and uh, I I had a heart for kids and compassion for, you know, just community development and giving back. Um, and he's like, man, I think this might be a good fit for you to, you know, you can, you know, mentor some young kids, you know, play ball with them, teach them how to play, and whoop, whoop. And I said, they going to pay me to play basketball with some kids? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sign me I'm up. I'm in. You know I mean? I'm like, hey, if you ain't in the league, that's one of the, you know, that's a good second. Had you ever been to Memphis prior to making the decision to come? I used to visit him. I used to come visit him from time to time. And I was actually visiting Lecrae in the studio. Mm. So this is like 2008, you know, and Lecrae was the, the Lecrae was this big, tall, goofy dude with these thick Coke bottle glasses and acne. And he's like, man, I, I told these people I wanted to start rapping, and the Lord just started providing these different things, and he's showing me these interfaces and microphones mm. and headphones and things that I had no idea what it was. I'm like, yeah, man, that's great. And he was all excited about what he was doing, but I had no idea that he was going to become Lecrae, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, um... So I used to visit my brother in Lecrae in the studio in Binghampton. He started in Binghampton. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that. Well, he's from Houston, Texas, but uh, he started his music like career like with Reach Records, and, and mm-hmm. really the start of it was here in Memphis. That's a huge part of his core fan base being here. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, and you yeah, made man. it to Memphis. Yeah, I made it to Memphis to come work for the Memphis Athletic Ministries. I loved it. Uh, ended up doing it for about seven years. And through that, those seven years, I worked at about 12 different facilities around the city of Memphis. With the program? Uh, with, with ma'am, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Green Law and Beth LaBelle over in Orange Mound. I worked at the Salvation Army Croc Center. I worked at the Memphis Grizzly Center. Who uh, Shout out to NBA Cares who donated the Grizzly Center to us uh, with ma'am. And multiple gyms, and if you're faithful, if you do what you're supposed to do at each one of those gyms, you got little homies in some of every hood now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, man, yeah, I, I got mm-hmm. little brothers everywhere, you and, and I'm blessed. Yeah, you know, for a while I was frustrated, like, man, y'all taking me away from my kids, and now I have to go to another gym. But God tapped me on my shoulder as He often does, and He's like, "Whose kids are those? Mm. They're my kids." Okay. So I just need you to humble yourself and do what you're supposed to do wherever I put you. If anything, you should be honored that I would use you in such a time as this. Mm. If you realize how much time the kids spend at school and then after school programs, who really raising them kids? Mm. They wake up in the morning at 7 o'clock and they at school all day. And then they'll come to the after school program and stay there until 8, 9 o'clock at night. And y'all dropping them off, feeding them meals and everything. And then they come on the weekends, too. Mm-hmm. And if you're one of those good, good coaches, you're trying to take them along with you to go to church. Man, y'all need to get this word. Come on, mm-hmm. hop in this car. 
So, you know, other, other coaches that go above and beyond, they were doing it, and you, it's like you raising other people's kids all over the city of Memphis. Mm-hmm. So instead of complaining about moving from gym to gym, I had to say, God, I'm going to count it as a joy and uh, understand the assignment. You know how they say you got to understand, understand the assignment. Understand the assignment. You yeah. did. Now, what caused your departure with man? Uh, I, I felt like it was just time to go. The, the winds of, of change were blowing. There wasn't much room for me to grow into uh, another position there. And I, I felt like I learned a lot, uh, gained a lot from the experience. But um, I, I, MAM is what they consider a parachurch ministry. You know, it wasn't directly affiliated with the church. And God is funny. I'm, I'm learning in the, in the parachurch ministry in the hood. But then I started working with some brothers in a more suburban area out in uh, Germantown and Collierville where I was learning with them. So I'm learning from a predominantly white setting. I'm learning in the hood and in a predominantly black setting. And then God moves me to Hope Church where it's the largest multi-ethnic church mm-hmm. in Memphis, Tennessee. And like I said earlier, the largest Presbyterian church in America. Mm. So I, I really feel like God had me on a trajectory for what he was doing as far as Racial reconciliation, especially here in Memphis, Tennessee. I say it again, especially here in Memphis, Tennessee, uh-huh. because everybody knows what went on with Dr. King. Yeah. Exactly. At least once a year, everybody's going to turn their eyes to Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and we're going to pay homage and respect and look at the National Civil Rights Museum. So uh, what's crazy, and I was uh, kind of telling you this early before we got the cameras rolling, with me being from Atlanta, my parents actually have some history with the King family. So my mom uh, has been in situations with Bernice King, and um, my great grandfather, who I'm named after, his name was Jeff. My granddaddy's Jeff. My uncle's Jeff. You know, <laughs> you, you find a good thing, you stick with it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm Jeff. Well, my great grandfather, he was the product between a slave owner, an Irish slave owner, and one of the slaves, my great grandmother, mm-hmm. and that's where I get my light skinned gene from, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back one day just kind of discouraged with doing ministry in Memphis. You know, you losing kids left and right. Things, you know, just got rough. So I went home to take a break. And I said, you know what, I'm here, I'm in town. I'm going to take some time to pay homage and pay respect to my grandfather's grave. So I go and I look at the tombstone. It's, it's say November 16th. I said, hmm. I looked at my granddaddy and say November 18th. Hmm. Mm. I said, well, my birthday is November 19th. And I said, well, God, a lot of times you do things uh, outside of our tunnel vision. You do things and communicate things through generations and bloodlines. What were you doing with our family back here when my granddaddy actually planted this church? I went and I looked. I said, well, when my granddaddy, when his father passed, he didn't have children with his wife. He had children with the slave. And by law, your your money, your property goes to the oldest child on the mm. on the list. So my granddaddy inherited inherited this land. Mm. They built a church called Rocky Mount Baptist Church on that land, and he was doing ministry in that area with Dr. King's grandparents. Wow! They are buried on that property to this day. Mm. So in my low moment, when I'm discouraged and I go back and I'm digging through this history, listening to stories from my uncle and from my uh, from my my mom, I I take that as motivation, saying, God, what? You know, I didn't think I would leave Atlanta to come to Memphis, but isn't it ironic in your sovereignty that this is our family heritage, our legacy? And then I turn around and Dr. King dies performing the Poor People's Campaign, and I cut my teeth on, in ministry in Memphis. Mm. 
he was he was always about the unity of of his church and always about the marginalized and the oppressed. You know, he he has a heart for people. So, like, for me to come here and serve, Memphis was voted in 2018 as the second poorest city in America. Mm -hmm. That was before the pandemic. They've been number one in poverty for For so long. long. Yes. So imagine where we are now. Right. So I'm like, man, King went out on the poor people's campaign. And I'm like, our families had some ties there. So then I go from that to bouncing around all of these gyms, learning in the hood, you know, from North Memphis to South Memphis, and then learning in the suburban areas in Germantown and Carville to come into the most multi-ethnic church here in Memphis. And I feel like God has called me to fight for the unity of his people. Now, what do you do as special projects assistant over there at Hope? Yeah, so my main project right now is to start a business apprenticeship program. It's called Prolifics. Uh, Prolific just being the term for somebody that's highly productive and highly fruitful. If you're a prolific songwriter like Brandon Lewis, you can pump out three to five songs in a day. (laughs) You know what I mean? And uh, so Prolifics is a business apprenticeship program trying to bridge the gap between that millennial class and, uh, you know, that Generation X and some of those baby baby boomers. They need that, a bridge. Yeah, they need a bridge. Yes. Because I'm going to tell you why we're losing a lot of the millennials, the churches anyway. They're losing a lot of millennials because there was a gospel that was being preached as far as right thinking about God. But we saw some errant actions. There was a lot of talk and explanation, but not enough demonstration. Mm. So when we saw the civil unrest or things that we couldn't understand politically, instead of having conversations about these things and, and walking with somebody and sharing perspective and counter perspective, it was almost like the conversation gets shut, shut down and people don't know how to have enough patience and grace with one another to actually work through those things and process. So, there's a group of millennials that are looking for answers and not just from your mouth, but in the way that you move your hands and your feet. And when people don't see that and they see hypocrisy, they get confused. And a lot of my friends are doing what they call deconstructing their faith. And Mm. for anybody out there that's listening to this and you feel like you've been running away from the church, not running away from God, but kind of just turned off to the church. If you're going to deconstruct your faith, I need you to reconstruct it. Mm. Don't just leave it in shambles and understand that you can eat the meat and spit out the bones. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are certain pillars and certain fundamentals that need to be kept. If I'm going to deconstruct this building right now, there's certain things I can't move in the foundation of the whole thing is going to collapse. But there may be some walls or some tiles or some things that we need to replace, some pipes that need to be replaced that maybe have burst. Or, or have rust in it or mold somewhere. You know what I mean? You don't want to get rid of the whole truck. thing. So uh, if you're going to deconstruct it, make sure you reconstruct it and make sure you keep the fundamental things there and don't lose sight of that. That's what I want to know. When you start in your church? <laughs> Man, I'm I, to be straight up and honest with you, because I, I only know how to shoot straight from the hip, uh, as far as starting a church, I don't feel like I've been called to start a church. But I am wrestling with the fact that how do I make the most impact in this time and in my generation before my birth is gone? Mm. Is that running politically, Mm. you know, like Ariel? Or is that um, 
becoming a pastor. Like I'm, I'm in line at Hope. I could go to seminary, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm learning right now from Pastor Rufus Smith. Is a guy from Houston, Texas. This man is literally walking Black history. Mm. He was the first African American pastor ordained in the whole Presbyterian denomination. Wow! And God has blessed me to be uh, with him on a daily basis, mm-hmm. to have him on a, a text and call basis, to where if I need him, we can talk, we can process, and walk through life together. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't. F- necessarily feel like I've been called to plan a church just yet, but I'm wrestling with, you know, if I should plan a church, if I should go into politics, like, God, what is it that you want me to do? How can I be most effective and to make the mm. deepest impact that I can make? Is it influencing culture through the arts? And that's where I've seen some, you know, some hardwired things, and that's where I've been leaning towards is using those gifts uh, effectively to make impact. So I don't know about the church thing just yet. My dad just planted yet. a church, though. Shout out to Purpose Church in Atlanta. My dad just uh, planted a church okay, dad. out there. So if you're in the Atlanta area, man, you know what I mean? Follow us on Instagram. I throw some you know mm-hmm. information about Purpose Church out there. But my daddy is a triple OG, man. He loves the Lord. <laughs> he walk it out, you know what I mean? And yes. he, he loves my ignorant behind through a bunch yes, of crap. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Now, at what point in your life did you join the consortium? and was an emerging star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I believe it was 2017. It was right mm-hmm. after the Brian Banks movie. Uh, I came through the consortium. Um, to be honest, I don't even know how I got word about it. Um, a friend of mine that saw me at a local show, I was doing local shows all through the Mid-South at different churches and events and nonprofits, and a girl told me about it um, named Laura. And uh, I, I looked it up, reached out to Fenton Wright at the time, came and went through, heard David Porter, and his his resume was impeccable, 350 million records sold, and, <laughs> you know, Stacks Records, and Isaac Hayes, and this, that, and other. And I was like, you know what, I'm from Atlanta, and I need to come here and take advantage of the things that some people may take for granted, because if this was in Atlanta, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> so forgive me now that I'm already through the program that I'm saying this. But if this was in Atlanta and you had, let's just say, Andre 3000. Mm-hmm. And Andre hasn't sold 350 million records. You know, they went double diamond with uh, Speaker Box and Love Below. But they got some impressive records, but not 350 million. I'm sorry. But uh, if this was in Atlanta, you would get charged an arm and a leg to go through a program with the caliber of teaching that mm-hmm. you were getting from the consortium uh, MMT program right. that you get from David and his com uh, you know his his comrades his his counterparts. Like he has so many people in the industry that he pulls in. Brandon knows so much about the game. Uh, you know Walter. When I went through Walter, person was a guy that knew a lot mm-hmm. about the game. So many other people, but uh, yeah, you will be charged the arm and the leg for what you're getting. So please, 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 if you're listening, <laughs> you're an aspiring artist, up and coming artist, man, take advantage of this program. What did you learn from the program? Uh, I learned that music and movement go hand in hand. I learned that uh, sometimes people feel a song because you feel a song, and the content of that song really means something to you. Uh, I learned that you can have infectious energy. And your energy can mean all the different songs to song mm, that yeah. make people feel it. Um, I learned that music, like as far as the, the 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 content and the melody, can be married under this in the same household. The content and the melody it needs to be married. They can just groove together and they just do mm-hmm. something to your soul. 
and they specialize in soul music, substance music. So David doesn't like a bunch of cussing and a bunch of empty stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they, they love soul music, something with a message that's going to speak to your head and your heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, that, those are a few things. I can't keep going on and on because I'm going to give y'all all of the sauce, you know what I mean, <laughs> in the program. So if you want to know more, sign up, man. Sign well, up. okay, so with that being said, you're an emerging star. Tell me about your repertoire with music. Mm-hmm. How how would you describe your style, your flavor, your music? Um, I you know initially I was afraid of comparisons. I didn't want comparisons. But if you make music long enough, you'll realize that everybody sounds like somebody. Everybody has an influence. You know, you're an offspring of somebody else. You know, um, Michael Jackson was an offspring of James Brown. You know. Um, it's, it's so many so many artists that has you know all these influences that you could trace and go back. So some of my earliest influences, obviously Outkast. Like I said, my brother went to high school at Outkast. They blew up in the area, so I studied Andre and Big Boy a lot. Um, Ti, you know, I, I like Ti. I don't know how many times I heard I sound like Ti, I look like Ti. <laughs> nah, at, 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 nah. at the same time, I don't well, heard every light skin dude well, you can think of. You know, <laughs> be clear. Did my daddy house. <laughs> I've been running things to help 15. You just getting over. Me too. I like Tia. I love it. Okay. I see it now. No, but I, I, I like Tip. You know what I mean? Um, I appreciate his penmanship. Mm-hmm. You know, and all the big words that he likes to use to show off his <laughs> boisterous vocabulary. vocabulary. You know what I mean? <laughs> he has a he is a character, of words to honey. on his uh, podcast, Expeditiously. Expeditiously. You know? But no, uh, big boy Andre, uh, love Tip. Um, I think I was hearing some rumblings about uh, Andre and Big Boy coming out with something soon. Hmm, I don't know. You know, Andre is a, a rather uh, <laughs> interesting, eclectic. In, <laughs> eclectic and interesting individual. And I, I, I listened to him in an interview one time, and they were saying, man, why, how come you aren't making music anymore? What are you doing? And, this, and, that. and he was like, man, you ever seen a kid in his room playing with his toys? And he's got this whole world created in his mind. Well, you know, you got a G.I. Joe and a Barbie doll. You're trying to save the damsel in distress. And you got pillows and it's a mountain and you fighting. <laughs> you're making all this noise in your room, right? And your mom looking like, is somebody else in there with you? And then all of a sudden, everybody comes into the room and you get stage fright. It's like, oh, snap. Like, everybody's expecting me to do this thing. I was just having fun. Mm-hmm. Like, in, in the trenches at the bottom, you know, with the Dungeon family with Rico Wade. Shout out to Rico. I know Rico. You know what I mean? Uh, it was them just having fun and creating music with their partners. But as it took a worldwide, like, global platform, you, you go double diamond, as I mentioned earlier. Now everybody's expecting you to top that. What mm-hmm. can I do to top double diamond? You know what I mean? So he had to find some other type of muse and set some other goals in his mind. And that's why he tries to do other things. He was getting mm-hmm. into fashion for a while. Uh, yeah. You you see him on the cover of GQ magazine. He diversified his portfolio. He's got his hand in a lot of different things. Andre had his own cartoon, mm-hmm. Mr. 3000. He oh, was, he was real busy at one point. Mm-hmm. Idlewild, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. movie slash musical. You know what I mean? So he was trying a lot of different things, but... uh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I went on a tangent there about, about Dre. But I love Andre, man. That's, that's yeah. one of my influences. Wow. Now, what do you say would be the biggest differences you see as an artist between the Atlanta music scene versus the Memphis scene? Since you've mm. delved into both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I give you two things. I tell people all the time, 
Atlanta taught me how to hustle. Atlanta taught me how to hustle. Memphis teaches me how to stay hungry. Mm. You know, uh, in Atlanta, you you got to show up. Your pull-up game got to be strong. If you networking, shaking hands, smiling, coming come to these places, you got to show up, man. Mm-hmm. And they going to want to network and, and take pictures with you. We're going to, you know, swap information, swap stuff. They're going to be hustling and bustling. And they're going to show you how to do things by the books so you can make sure that your things are protected, your intellectual property is protected, and so on and so forth. And they're going to work together. So the first thing, Atlanta taught me how to hustle. Memphis taught me how to stay hungry. Like we said earlier, one of the most impoverished cities in America. And I and I admire some of the guys. Even though I may not agree with the messages, I admire you know, their grind to stay hungry and to keep going mm-hmm. out of whatever situation they in, you know. Yeah. Um, but one of the biggest differences that I notice right now is in Atlanta, all of those guys are, like, working with each other. You don't hear a lot about rap beef. You know, even when they had that King Von situation and, and some stuff that popped off in Atlanta, mm-hmm. Tip caught a lot of backlash because he said, hey, man, y'all don't bring that to Atlanta. Y'all don't bring it. We don't do that here. Because everybody understand, we don't have a crab in the barrel syndrome in Atlanta. Yeah, I you, always you, hear that about Atlanta. Yeah, you gonna you gonna see different producers trying to collab. Zaytoven is gonna collab with whoever, and you know what I mean this person <laughs> and that person, and you know what I mean you got so many artists that are trying to work together to build something because they mm-hmm. realize there's enough money out there for everybody. Mm-hmm. But in Memphis. You know, they were a little behind the curve. A lot of the talent from Memphis used to go to Atlanta to get on. Mm-hmm. But you still see this uh, competitiveness and and almost like a crab in the barrel syndrome where people kind of mm-hmm. dish you in the media and you hate on one another. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, you go to the club, Future going to have a section, T.I. going to mm-hmm. have a section. They going to turn up. Jeezy song going to come come on. They going to buy him a bottle. Jeezy going to be turning up. And then Gucci might come in later and they going to laugh. Mm-hmm. and kick. Everybody's having a great time. In Memphis, you still got these beefs. You're not even going to see them in the same no. club. You scared to even go to the club. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, you know, that that's the biggest wow. difference that I see. You know, I heard you mention Zaytoven, the producer. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing him do a lot of work with Country Wayne mm-hmm. lately. Yeah. I, I just heard a Breakfast Club interview about Country Wayne. And really, when you think about his journey... He was kind of had a spiritual, his message is is spiritual, you know, even though he's funny at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's deeply rooted in a spiritual reality. Yeah, man. And it's enjoyable to watch him and Zaytoven work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go back and forth. Zay had his roots in the church. Did he? Yeah, he did a project with my boy Lecrae right before this uh, Mm. called uh, Let the Trap Say Amen. Right. It's like, dudes in the trap need Jesus too. Y'all won't let him in the church, you know what I mean? Like, so we're going to take the church to the trap. Like, okay. what you mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they need God just like anybody else. So mm-hmm. don't shun them just because they made some different decisions and choices that you, than you have Amen. when their backs were against the wall. You know what I mean? At the end wow. of the day, you know, mm-hmm. you know, a, anybody can be redeemed from any situation. You know what I mean? Definitely. But, yeah. uh, but Zay, yeah, Zay has some roots in the church. Country one, you can tell his roots in the South in the church. He's funny, mm-hmm. man. He is hilarious. I love this whole phenomenon of comedians and stuff, you know, uh, putting out songs like Lil Duval. Yes. And, uh, you know. Uh, Living my best life. Yeah, Chocolate Drop. Is it Chocolate <laughs> Drop from Kevin Hart? Chocolate Drop? Yes. You know I mean? It's funny. It's hilarious. So, yeah, shout out to them oh, guys. Wow. Man. Now, you know what I want to talk about, Jeff? I want to talk about Bend, Don't Break. Um, mm. You know, you, you shot me an email, and I read your email, and I saw on the signature, Bend, Don't Break on mm. IG. I went to Bend, Don't Break. I said, dang. 
What's Jeff over here doing on IG? Look at his following. What is he got? What he got going on on Ben Don't Break? I want you to tell the verbally effective audience about the whole concept behind Ben Don't Break and, you know, everything that was behind it. Yeah, uh, the past two years have been tough, to say the least. We've been in some strange and unusual times. Um, and I tell people all the time, it's not the size of the load that you carry that'll crush you. It's, it's how you carry it. So bend your knees and pray. Don't break down or lose hope. Um, and, and that's the message, just to not give up. It's a message of stick It's a message of perseverance and resilience. Uh, in the time where we've seen a lot of people lose loved ones and uh, and we live in a council culture, right? So not even uh-huh. just death, but you losing close friends over he say, she say, or being politically correct or whatever. You know, so uh, Ben Don't Break can apply in so many different forms and walks of life. You know what I mean? Even if it's in your marriage, you know, we've seen d- domestic violence rates uh, skyrocket through the roof, you know, during this uh, pandemic. And, and quarantining and stuff. You, it's so many different issues. But for me, I was speaking more specifically towards mental health. Um, just just don't break down and, and, and give up, you know, that there is hope. And for me, that hope is Jesus Christ. You know, I, I read my Bible. I look in there, and that, that word washes over my mind like nothing else can. It washes over my soul. It helps me to have a peace uh, in my heart and in my mind at night when I lay my head down on the pillow. You know, last year, um, in August, I lost my sister. It was one of the toughest moments that I, I ever went through. My sister was my mentor, my nurse, my teacher, my best friend, my confidant, you know. And uh, that message of Ben Don't Break was resounding in my ear. And what was crazy is the same message that I was using to influence and encourage other people was the same message God was giving back to me in my lowest moment. Um, that's the difference between the message and Ben Don't Break as a as a brand and you know, some of the other people in the market like Nike and Adidas and some of these other folks is that the message of being don't break speaks louder to you in your lowest and your darkest moments. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I love about it. So I was getting feedback on social media. What you saw when people going through all types of trauma, you know, one girl, man, I just lost my mother and I'm going through this. Somebody else, I'm going through a domestic violence situation with my spouse and da 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 da. And they were giving me feedback, just commenting on the pictures and the stuff with the merch and I was like, yo, this is bigger than me. It's bigger than me. So I just kept feeding it, feeding uh, fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. So you got the merch line. Tell me about how this merch line is different, though. Actually, sports. Yeah, so it's an athletic apparel brand. I was looking for something uh, that I could do alongside my wife. My wife is amazing. <laughs> to say the least, but she's a young tycoon. She's been ripping and running. I said, God, I don't want to be running in two different directions where I'm going to the left and my wife is going to the right, doing some great things, but mm-hmm. how can we effectively make change and impact in the world together? Uh, my wife is, a, I got to brag on her real quick, so excuse me, but she's a, Go a, ahead. a registered nurse, a registered dietitian, a registered yoga instructor, and she's also getting her doctors as a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Go wifey. Man, she she is something else. And um, so as far as the service side, she she is really adamant about breaking through solid ground in the in the lane of mental health and working with eating disorders. And she makes that type of care accessible for us when we we didn't have that accessibility because of finances. Usually, you know, when I was young, I used to think eating disorder, I would think uh, a skinny, affluent, white female. 
Or if I thought about anxiety, and this may sound funny, but I think, oh, the girl that's scared to go to the prom and get stood up, that's mm. anxiety. I had no context what for what it. Yeah, I had no context for it, you know, as, a, as an adult. But, you know, we don't talk about eating disorders with black males. A lot of guys will binge, drink, and smoke. And uh, after they smoke, they go binge out on some food after that. You know what? I never do relate that to men. We don't because men are taught to hide their feelings. It's soft for you to be in your feelings. And it's crazy because feelings are like a light on the dashboard of a car. Now, if you can uh, envision this, you know, what happens when a light comes on on your dashboard and you ignore it? Mm-hmm. It's saying you need oil. It's break down. Right. Mm-hmm. The oil is the lifeblood of that vehicle. If you ignore that light and you don't get oil in that car, it's going to lock up and break mm-hmm. down. It, you So it'll be foolish for me to ignore my feelings and act like I don't have feelings. If one of these lights fall right now, ah, you know, help me. <laughs> <laughs> the light falls on me and I get a laceration and I'm bleeding profusely. You're going to be like, man, are you all right? Let's get you some help. I would be foolish if I sit here and say, nah, you know, I'm straight. Right. I'm good. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Hold up, hold up. I'm good. You're like, bro, you sure? You look, <laughs> you're turning pale on me, bro. You, yeah, you all about to fall out. off. <laughs> you need some help. Mm-hmm. So we need healing. There are people that will come into a room, and though not not visibly bleeding, they are bleeding internally. Mm. And you, you can tell because of the interaction you have with them. Something off with that mm-hmm. person. Like, he got some issues. Oh, they got some stuff, you know. Oh yeah, he just talked long like that. The person just threw up on you, and you ain't even, they don't even know him. They just threw up their whole life story on you, and, and talked to you for like an hour and a half straight, and you just met the person. You know, all right, but you might need to get some help with that. Right. You know what I mean? So it'll be foolish for us to ignore those feelings. There are certain needs. I just give you a couple of them. With with anger, anger isn't a bad thing. If I'm angry about something, it lets me know that I'm passionate about it. You know what I mean? But anger in a a uh, in a toxic state would look like rage and domestic violence. But at the same time, if you take that same anger and turn it into passion for your spouse, then maybe, you know what I mean, y'all lighting the fire at night, you know what I mean? Y'all making some babies or whatever. You know, that anger can be good or bad. It's a lot of good things that you can do with fire. You can warm a house with a fire, but mm-hmm. you can also burn down a house with a fire. Yeah. Or that burn down multiple houses with a fire. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um as far as fear, fear should lead you to the place where you know that you're going to find safety. Uh, it should it should move you to operate in your faith and in wisdom mm-hmm. uh, versus running away, anxiety from and depression, and, yeah. and just being so uh, freaked out that you're you're paralyzed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, another one. Let's just go with shame. As far as shame, like let's just say you're an athlete, like I play basketball, or you're a football player, and you make a fumble. Well, that, that fumble should cause you to have a certain level of humility and understanding. Man, I let my team down. I'm shamed right now because I publicly made this mistake in front of all these thousands or even millions of people, and I'm shamed. In that moment, what you need is empathy and forgiveness. It's all right, man. We all make mistakes. Come on, bro. You got you got the next one. Let's mm-hmm. go. Let's go. You got to have a short yeah, a, a short dealing a short checks and balances with that. You got to have a short-term memory with making those mistakes and feeling that shame and understand this should keep you at a, a humble state. Have you always like felt like this? Or this is something Oh, no. This that... has been evolving my whole life. I'm learning okay. more and more as I go. Not, gotcha. No. Before, with shame, it would turn into toxic shame, right? Mm-hmm. Where that shame beats you up so bad, what do you do? You turn to drinking. You turn to, you know, uh, 
over sexualizing relationships with different women or different men or whoever. You know what I mean? Or you, you know, some people chain smoke, like I said, or drinking all type of stuff. You run to your vices. So many people, have, you got different vices. And it's crazy because people get judgmental about those vices when all of us have vices in and some way. With something. Whether it's workaholism mm-hmm. or you can, you can turn to your kids and make your kids an idol where you pour so much into your kids that you forget about your husband mm-hmm. because you're trying to cope and deal with something. So everybody turns to something in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And for me, you know, you like you say, I work at Hope Church. I'm not Pastor Jeff, but I understand. I'm about to say, Pastor Trotter. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not, a, at least I don't know. I, maybe God calling me to be a pastor or, or whatever. And I hear a little calling. You hear that? Y'all hear that? Man, I, I was going to say, calling. it's a God-sized hole in a vacuum that can only be filled by God. You, you're going to be constantly turning well, to different hey, things. Hey, be ready when he call, okay? I, I think you still trying to figure it out, <laughs> but I know that... <laughs> You know, he he's already texted you, okay? All right, I hear you, sir. He's already texted you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that being said, where are you trying to take Ben Don't Break? Because I can feel like all of this is mm-hmm. really going somewhere, like, on mm-hmm. a bigger platform. Well, yeah, I wanted to be the next big athletic apparel brand. Like I said, no different than Nike, Adidas, and Puma. Now, I've been talking to some folks, and they say, would you consider partnering with them? Maybe. If That's the numbers, big. If the numbers make sense, make then sure maybe. Make sure the numbers make sense. Right. Uh, but I wanted something for us. Uh, like I said, my, my wife is a yoga instructor, so I make sports bras and yoga pants and things mm-hmm. of that nature, you know, T-shirts. Uh, we both play college basketball, so we love basketball shorts and T-shirts and things of that nature. So, you know, that's on the product side, but uh, on the foundation side, I want to attack mental health and, mm-hmm. and really helping guys that have been dealing with recidivism and things like that. Um, yeah. Nice, nice. Now, this is my last question to you, Jeff. Why Memphis? Why do you choose to stay here? Um, I told you before about the platform uh, that we have to speak to the world. The whole world turns their eyes towards Memphis. I feel like God has called me to, man, fight for the unity of his people. At the end of the day, God created us, and we are his children in one way or another, whether you know it or not. You know what I mean? And and he wants his children back. He wants his family to be together. God is our father. We're not bastards running around with here without a loving father. Sometimes people have an idea of God as, oh, the big, big God or the big man upstairs. But he knows your name. He knows every hair on your head from the crown of your head mm-hmm. to the bottom of your feet. He knows you. So... Uh, I feel like he wants me to fight for the unity of his church, and I feel like there's no better place than in Memphis, Tennessee, and the platform that he's led me to that I have right now at, at Hope Church and, and some of the efforts that we've been doing here in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, to answer your question, why Memphis? I feel like I was born for such a time as this. I believe that it's a calling on my life that uh, supersedes what Jeff wants to do, mm-hmm. but it's what I feel like God is leading me uh, to and allowing me to be a part of. Yeah. Like, this is so cool. I'm getting to sit here with Ina Esco and oh. have an interview. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't plan this. You know, I, I yeah. didn't plan none of this. So, uh, And it's amazing to hear you hear your story. I mean, it's really amazing. I, I can tell, like, talk with a young lady before, I, I've sensed a feel for God. I, I mean, I, I can tell it's in your DNA. Man. Like, real deal. From Jeff to Jeff to Jeff. Oh, thank you, God. Yes, yes. Now, how can everybody get in touch with you, Mr. Trotter, Pastor Trotter? Yeah, if you want to uh, check out the page, it's bendontbreak.com. Now, I spell don't with an X in it, so bendontbreak.com. Uh, also, my wife, like I said, uh, 
Bluff City Health is her private practice. She works with eating disorders. Anybody out there struggling, her site is WhitneyTrotter.com. So Whitney Trotter is T-R-O-T-T-E-R.com. So hit her page up, man. Y'all, y'all follow that on Instagram. You can follow her at Whitney Trotter RD. And my page is the same, Ben Don't Break, uh, on Instagram. So look up Ben Don't Break, and you'll see the X pop up. Thank you so much, Jeff. I really enjoyed you today. Don't no, ignore that a, text. it's an honor. Don't it's ignore that text from God. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I do have to apologize, Ina. I should have came bearing gifts. I just want to. No, wanted, you're fine. I, I, I want to tell you I appreciate you because uh, on the creative side or even the social activism stuff, like doing all of these things, it is so extremely hard to build a platform like a podcast and mm-hmm. do all of those things yourself. So uh, to have you following your passion and having this uh, platform available for other artists and for other uh, influencers out there, uh, it's phenomenal. So I appreciate you and the work that you do. I appreciate that. I need people to hear your voice and hear your story, and I'm praying that they'll be inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Trotter. He is really Jeff Trotter. He got the text from the Lord. He is the special (laughs) projects assistant over there to the senior pastor at Hope Church Memphis. Check out his page, Ben Don't Break, the website, the IG. And I really enjoyed him today. And I thank you for joining me on episode 184 of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Yes, we talked to a lot of people from Memphis, but none like Jeff Trotter, right? So I want you all to subscribe to the podcast, verballyeffective.com. Subscribe on YouTube, Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, Amazon Music. We're on all platforms. Thank you once again for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast.